Okay, so we're on page 42, continuing in the elements of alacrity. And this is one of the most famous drash of, uh, in, in the Torah, in the, what the sages teach us. And it's based on the Pasuk in the Torah, when the Torah tells us that you cannot allow the matzah, you cannot allow it to rise, right? So what will happen if you don't put it in the oven right away? You're going to cause it to rise and turn into chametz. And it says, Ushamart them as hamatzos, and you shall safeguard the matzos. So what the sages explain, based on a midrash, is the word matzos can also be read as mitzvos. And they say, mitzvah al Do not procrastinate when a mitzvah, which is a play on the word matzos, comes your way. And do not push it off and allow it to turn into chametz. Right? In other words, if you leave it for too long, it's going to turn into chametz. And they said, one should always deal promptly with matters pertaining to mitzvahs. For in regard to the, in return for the one night in which the elder, the elder daughter of Lot, this is a story that happens after Sodom is destroyed, and the only survivors are Lot and his two daughters. So they thought they were the only people left in the world after the apocalypse. And the elder daughter had this great idea that they should sleep with their father to have children. So the elder daughter was quicker than the younger, and she slept with her one night, slept with her father a night earlier than her younger sister. She preceded her into Israel. She was rewarded by four generations of royalty. Her descendant is a descendant of Moab and the ancestress of King David, right? Ruth is the descendant of, of Moab, this elder daughter, and therefore she merited to have these four generations of royalty. They also stated those with alacrity fulfill the mitzvahs promptly. They further said one should always run to perform a mitzvah even on Shabbos. What is this referring to? Technically, it's forbidden to run on Shabbos. We learn from the Nevi'im, from the in the prophets. There's a verse that teaches us that everything that we do on Shabbos should be different than the way we act during the week. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we think should be different on Shabbos than it is during the week. Now, how do you accomplish? So, so that's true that you're therefore you're not allowed to run on Shabbos because you're supposed to be acting with a sense of security, a sense of serenity. You should be calm. There should be no running on Shabbos. You don't need to run at all. Everything is 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 is. We just we just are on Shabbos. We just. Things are as they are. So nothing has to be changed. So nothing has to be changed. You shouldn't be running on Shabbos. However, if you're running to do a mitzvah, indeed you are permitted to run on Shabbos, right? The, the, the Gemara tells us that the sage one time saw a different sage running on Shabbos and said, how are you not allowed to run on Shabbos? And he said, well, we're going to do a mitzvah. You are permitted to run on Shabbos. And indeed, that is the halacha. Why are you permitted to run on Shabbos if you're supposed to have a state of calmness and serenity? The answer is that the importance of running to do a mitzvah and not allowing it to, to wait at all till you go do that mitzvah is so important as to override the principle of not running on Shabbat. And in the Madrash it says, he will guide us al-mus with alacrity as befits young maidens. As it says, in the midst, there are young maidens playing timbrels. Alacrity is indeed a virtue of immense perfection, which man's nature prevents him from attaining completely in the here and now. So now he's describing something of a more esoteric form. And he's saying that the, the nature of alacrity against our earthly nature, the way we're created with, it makes it impossible for us to really fulfill this, this idea in its complete way in this world, right? So all we can ever do is to do the best that we can. And then in the next world, we'll be able to get true alacrity. He who overcomes his nature and seizes the virtue of alacrity with all of his ability will truly be granted it in the future. The creator, may his name be blessed, will present it to him as his reward in return for his effort in pursuing it during his service to his creator. On the other hand, right, so now up until now, we've just been describing how important it is to have a sense of alacrity before you come to do the mitzvah. Don't push off 
coming to do the mitzvah in the first place. Make sure that you do it right away. Now he's going to describe the second aspect. The second aspect is once you've started doing the mitzvah, sometimes also you start doing it, but it's a long slog and you end up getting a little bit lazy and you push it off and you started and you had great intentions and everything was going great for the first six days and then the going got tough and eh, slowly slips, slips away from you. So that's the second aspect of alacrity in terms of following up on your good deed till you actually finish it. On the other hand, the act of alacrity that follows the commencement of the deed is necessary so that once one has seized the mitzvah, he should hurry to complete it. And not just to make things easier for himself, like one who wants to be rid of a burden he is carrying, rather he should hurry out of the fear that otherwise he might not be able to complete it. With regard to this, they have blessed memory cautioned repeatedly and said, he who commences a mitzvah but does not complete it will bury his wife and children. So I don't mean, I don't know if that means that it will literally be a punishment for not, for not carrying it out properly, uh, that it'll actually this will be the punishment of having to bury your wife and children. That seems a little bit harsh. Maybe it means something along the lines of you'll constantly be pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off, and you'll find yourself at the end of your days not having actually done it properly. And they also said, the mitzvah is ascribed only to the one who completes it, right? And this is a famous, a famous saying, that the person who does that final deed, he's the one who's considered as if he did the entire deed, which is why if you ever find yourself at a, a shloshim, you know, a 30-day celebration, or perhaps a yard site, you know, the, the day of death for someone, and there's, they're going to be having someone make a siyam, make a, you know, a, a, a completion of the entire Talmud study that they've done over the past year as a merit for the, for the dead one. So, the one person is going to get up and make a siyam on the entire, the entire shas and all of Talmud, even though he himself didn't read the entire Talmud. He only read the end of the Talmud. But the one who completes it is considered as if he has done the entire thing. And Shlomo Melch, King Solomon, may peace be upon him, said, Have you seen a man who is quick in his work? He will ultimately stand before kings. He will not have to stand before those who are lowly. And this is yet another praise of those who, who act with alacrity. And the sages of blessed memory attributed to him, King Solomon, the self-same praise for a speedy work in building the Beis HaMikdash, the temple, without indolence or delay. Through a homiletic interpretation, they also attributed it to Moshe, may peace be upon him, for a speedy work with regard to the Mishkan, with regard to the tabernacle. That the same way King Solomon did this when it came to building the temple, so too Moshe did this without any delay when it came to building the tabernacle. So yet these are one, he's coming really just with a comprehensive list of the places throughout uh, all of the, the works of our sages and when how they praise people acting with alacrity without any laziness at all. Okay, to be continued tomorrow night. Take care, everyone. Be well.